you almost wonder, and I and I guess it, they thought about this or whatever, but would have been would have playing in their spring training uh, sites have been a better feel and scenario for this thing? Oh, I don't know. Um, I, maybe, but you know, I, I don't know. I, is I'm not I'm not an expert on knowing. Um, you know what an empty forty thousand seat stadium sounds like versus an empty right. ten thousand seat stadium. I mean, I think you're probably just talking about degrees of noise, and and I think you know, and we talked about this all along. I think kind of the point of this was that they wanted to make players feel as comfortable as possible. If you're going to have to quarantine in a bubble for you know two and a half, three months, um, you know, players are not going to go for that, and they might have had more guys opt out if that was the case, and. Look, ultimately, in the end, if you were going to go to Arizona and Florida right now, you'd be in worse shape than you'd be in in just about you know all the other states where where teams are playing. Um, didn't seem like it would be that way back in April and May when cases were spiking in in the Northeast here, like in, you know in cities like New York and Boston and, and right here uh, in Philly. But you know now it's sort of um, the, you know other places are, are going through what we did then, and so. Um, you know that whole Arizona, Florida, Texas idea would not would not be something that could go could go right now. And um, you know, so I don't know. I think it's just degrees, though, of, of weirdness and degrees of of um, of of unusual of, of an unusual situation that's just going to have to. We're, everyone's just going to have to adapt to it as best they can. All right, uh, let's look at a couple of things that uh, are playing out now. You got a chance to see Zach Wheeler for a little bit today, um, and he's another interesting story because obviously his wife is pregnant. He has said that uh, he's going to miss a couple of starts no matter what. He had said he had thought about not even uh, playing. I don't know where that stands, but uh, give us a little update on how Wheeler looked and then where he is uh, with playing right now. Yeah, you know, look, I think I think what we can equate this to is maybe maybe that first you know round of uh, starts in spring training. I, I, they're a little more stretched out now than they were then, um, you know. But I, you don't get a whole lot out of it until the last few starts. And you know, look, I think the important thing are that guys are building up their arms. You know, you hear little things. It wasn't so much with Wheeler today because look, you know, Zach Wheeler is kind of Zach Wheeler. You know. You, you sort of have these expectations for him and, and you know what kind of pitcher he's going to be or supposed to be. And uh, you, you know that he's in the rotation and you know, he's going to, you know, assuming, um, assuming that, uh, that he's with the team and that uh, his wife is not uh, in labor. Uh, he's probably going to make that second start on, uh, on the 25th uh, against the Marlins, um, you know, and all of that. I think where it's really interesting to me is watching like Vince Velasquez pitch today. Mm-hmm. And you know, JT Real Muto was saying uh, that he thought Velasquez during the quarantine sort of picked up maybe like a little cutter um, that he hadn't really seen from him before that he was throwing today. He's always had a curveball. He's got a, a change up. If he's going to mix in a little cutter now, you know, maybe that, that, um, Maybe that takes him to another to another level. I mean, we've been waiting for this forever and ever and ever, right? With with Vince Velasquez, like, you know, is he going to take that next step? Is he going to be less of a one dimensional fastball? You know, here it is, try to hit it kind of pitcher. And if he's if he's really developed a fourth pitch, if if he's going to use his, and I know we've heard this before with him, if he's going to use his off speed more, you know, that's that's more of what I'm interested in seeing here. And then even within that, you know, Joe Girardi made the point today that. 
There was a fifth starter competition going on in spring training. I guess there's a fifth starter competition going on now, but uh, with the virus and with the unpredictability of rosters and with the expanded roster at the start, you're going to need as many pitchers as possible. So you're going to have more than just five stretched out. And, you know, I think that uh, right now it's just about keeping them healthy, stretching them out as far as they can, and sort of seeing how everybody sort of fits in the grand scheme of things rather than honing in on. I mean, I have personally, I have a hard time like looking at, Oh, it's a fifth starter competition. Cause you're going to need six, seven, eight, nine this year, more than ever before. Bryce Harper is very vocal about JT real Muto's contract, whether it's wearing the t-shirt or yelling to sign him after he hits a home run. Do you think the front office right. is annoyed by this at all? I don't know. I doubt it. Um, I doubt it. You know, uh, Harper was saying uh, years ago before they were teammates that um, he, he, Real Muto was his favorite player. There was an all-star game. I, th- I guess it was the year the all-star game was in Washington, the year before uh, Harper was a Philly. So it would have been 2018 where uh, they took a team photo and Harper put his, his Nats hat on Real Muto's head. Um, and, you know, if you remember, I think it was July of 18. The Marlins were not very good. Real Muto was, you know, is he going to get traded at the deadline? Ultimately, he didn't. But, you know, there was talk of that, and people were like, well, there's Harper stumping for, you know, the Nats to trade for him. So, I mean, this has been a Harper thing for years now that he he considers Real Muto his favorite player. He's kind of infatuated with him as a player. And, and, and Real Muto said today that, you know, he thinks a lot of it's in good fun, you know, and he's flattered by it, uh, that, that Harper would, would think that way about him and, and, and all of that. So I think probably... I think probably the front office views it the same way. Um, Harper's also going to be here for 12 more years. So, you know, I mean, Real Muto is not the last guy that I'm sure that he's going to weigh in and say, I, w- I want to get that guy. It was probably way more annoying to them, to be honest with you, last year after he signed when he was talking about getting Mike Trout, who was not available at that time, uh, you know, and, and they were probably like, look, Bryce, tone it down. We're, you know, um, I think this is a little bit different. Uh, I think they'd be worried. To, quite frankly, I think they'd be worried if if he if he wasn't excited about wanting to have this guy on his team. We're talking with Scott Lauber uh, from the uh, Philadelphia Inquirer. The Phillies uh, have an inner squad game today. Now uh, on what was that Monday or Tuesday? Matt Clintax spoke, and you know he kind of gave an update on some of the guys. Uh, Kingery, interesting. Do, do we think that Kingery? Uh, will be ready to go. His status seems to be kind of up in the air. I mean, he said that he's fine and kind of passed the, the COVID, uh, but uh, is, is there any sign of uh, when he could be back? No, uh, there there isn't. And, um, you know, I, I think it's good that he feels better and that he thinks he's passed the virus. Now he's got to pass the protocols um, and get himself here. And, and uh, they've got to figure out where he's at uh, in terms of, being ready to go on day one. So I, I don't I don't really have a firm grasp of that yet. It's mm-hmm. still what, sixteen days, fifteen days until uh opening day. So um you know, again, the good thing is you've got um an expanded roster right out of the gate. Um you, you have several it looks like Gene Segura, no matter what, is gonna play third base. So if Kingery's not ready, it doesn't sound like they're gonna slide Segura over to second. You have some other options there. You know, Josh Harrison's a guy who's played a lot of second base in his career. Logan Forsythe has played a lot of second base in his career. I think Neil Walker can even play second base. So 
Um, you know, you've got options if you want to keep one of those guys and have them be the guy on opening day. And, you know, Kingery wouldn't be too far behind, I wouldn't imagine, um, at that point. Do you sense that players will wear masks on the field? Well, several are already doing it. Um, Didi Gregorius has been wearing one both at the plate and in the field. I believe the Grand Slam he hit yesterday, he had the mask on. I think he hit with the mask on today. He's been wearing it defensively. Segura has been wearing one. And, of course, Reese Hoskins said yesterday that he hadn't really thought too much about it until he got here. And now he's thinking of at least keeping one in a plastic bag in his back pocket so that maybe when he holds a runner on first, hmm. uh, he can put it on and uh, and wouldn't feel like he's at, at, at as much risk being in such close proximity to the runner. So uh, it would not it will not surprise me in the least if the guy, especially the guys who are, are, are already wearing one, will continue to do so. And guys who start to see other guys wear one might try it out. Real Muto, uh, for what it's worth today, said he won't wear one. He's tried it. Uh, it's just, just doesn't feel like it's comfortable while he's playing. Um, so, uh, you know, he's going to, you know, he's got his catcher's mask anyway. So you'd imagine it would be extra hot underneath there if you were to try to wear one. So, um, it's going to work for some guys. For others, it's not. And, uh, I think the fact that we're already seeing guys wear him in, uh, in these scrimmages means that, uh, they're, they're leaning toward doing so when the games count. All right. I know uh, Alec Bohm's name comes up a lot. They do have a DH this year, and it doesn't uh, make the Phillies' decision any easier when he's, you know, smacking balls off the left field wall out there. But uh, he's a guy that I guess is probably making them make a tough decision because we know the service time thing is really under consideration. Yeah, and about about the best you can get um, at this point, at least, still two weeks out from Joe Girardi is, you know, he's going to – impact the Phillies at some point this, this season. He feels like Alec Bohm will impact the team or will, will help the team at some point this season. Um, you know, so they're going to have to make that call. Um, you know, does he help them win a game in the first week? You know, this, the schedule, we've talked about how the schedule is difficult anyway, and four of the first seven games are against the Yankees. Uh, so, you, you know, I mean, that, that's going to make it extra tough. Um, I, I also think that uh, so four of the first seven are against the Yankees, and I believe five, uh, five of the first ten or something are on the road. I mean, it's it's going to be challenging out of the gate. So I, you know, I mean, I've said I've told you guys where I stand on this. Um, you know, if I'm a general manager and 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 I've I've publicly stated that uh, it's time to win. I think those were Matt Clentak's exact words back in in October. I want the best team I I've got breaking camp, and it's not to minimize the the service time aspect of it. You'd want to control a player like that for as long as you possibly can, and if delaying his arrival by seven days allows you to do that, there's going to be a compelling argument to to delay. But if I'm a general manager who's you know said the time is now to win, you know it's going to be awfully tempting to take that guy from day one if you feel like he can help you. Yeah, I definitely lean towards the time uh, or the um, opinion of let's keep him in control for as long as possible. I just seem like the reactionary thing is, all right, let's get him on this team. Let's see what he has. But right. don't you think the the really logical way to approach this is, okay, you bite the board early on. You find a way to kind of just 
get by, and then once you can bring him up and keep him under control, you do. It's hard to if I, you know, it's like how valuable do they are they taking this season? Are they thinking like, hey, this is a, such an important thing for us to win a World Series to give up a guy? You know what I mean? Like how much stock are they putting because. A week of games in this scenario is a lot different than the service time problems you have in a 162. As I said, I'm, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think. I mean, it's certainly uh, reasonable to say that um, you know, delay him, delay his arrival by a week, and you keep him, you know, you keep your six full years of control, and off you go. But I mean, look, we were just talking about Scott Kingery and whether he'll be ready for opening day. You know, um, maybe there's a maybe there's a way that Alec Baum can help you in the first week of the season. Maybe his impact could be greater than you had planned if you were 100% healthy with your regular guys. I don't know. Um, you know, if he hit, you know, if he was on the team from day one and he hit two home runs in the first week, and you go five and two and you wind up making the playoffs, um, you know, uh, what if uh, or what if you don't have him and uh, you know, you go uh, three and four and you end up missing the playoffs by a game. Who knows? Um, you know, so this is all part of the calculus. And I think the fact that it's such a short season, um, I think, is only going to make it more complicated. All right. Uh, let's uh, get your take on the center field um, situation. Is it a platoon? Is there a guy that you lean towards over the other? How do you read that center field? I know it's only been a couple of days. I think it's wide open. Um, I think Girardi's open to a lot of possibilities. Um, he, he's open to a timeshare between Roman Quinn and Adam Hazley. He's open to one guy grabbing the job and uh, and running with it. So, you know, I do think in that in in that particular um, uh, in that particular uh, competition, I do think uh, these interest squads matter a little bit. I do think. Uh, the at-bats will matter a little bit and maybe what they do in those exhibition games. Um, Quinn has looked really good so far. I mean, they're intra-squad games and they're weird and all of that, but, uh, you know, he's been on base a lot. He's, uh, he's you know, looks good. He's running around well. Um, I mean, we've seen it in short spurts between injuries, what Roman Quinn can do and how much he can mean to, to a team. And now you don't have a DH and so you've got a number nine hitter and guy like him profiles really well in that spot, sort of like a second leadoff guy. You hear American League teams talk about that all the time. There's a lot to like about him, and we just haven't seen Hazley much on the field yet because he was here. He was delayed a few days with that lost uh, lab result. Um, he's expected to be on the field, uh, I believe, in an intra-squad tomorrow, weather permitting. So, um, you know, he'll get his chance. But Quinn looks awfully good so far, and in a short season like this, again, it would be It'd be uh, interesting to see what what he could do if you could sort of cut him loose a little bit and let him play, um, you know, a number of games in a row. I think they're open to that if if they feel like he earns that um, over the next couple of weeks. Going back to Boom real quick, do you think he's definitely ready at the plate? Like, is it a no-brainer when you watch him at the plate that he's going to be able to be a factor when it comes to hitting this year? I don't know for sure. I mean, you know... Um, he looks awfully good. He uses the whole field. You know, yesterday we saw him hit a double to left field. Today we saw him take the ball the other way uh, to right field um, well. Um, so it all looks good, uh, you know. But, again, I, I mean, you can only tell so much in this setting and in this environment. So, 
Um, you know, it, it, my untrained eye, I'm not a scout, but, you know, he looks like uh, a major league hitter. So we'll see. Um, you know, uh, and then, and then you know, again, you're dealing with, and I know I, I sound like I'm saying put him on the roster from day one, and, and maybe I am saying that. I, I, I um, you know, I think in a normal season, if, you know, you're going to take the time and send him to AAA and have him stay down there for a few weeks until the, the service time thing um, no longer is a factor, uh, at least he'd be playing in AAA games, right? And he'd be getting at bats there. Um, you know, here you could come out of a, this, this three-week training camp, send him to Lehigh Valley, he's going to do what? Play in, you know, a couple of intra-squad games, you know, for the first week and, and, and figure out ways to keep his timing at the plate. So, I mean, that may be a consideration as well. Do we want this guy essentially sitting around for a week? If he finishes camp on a high note uh, and looks good at the plate, do you really want to slow him down? So all of those things come into play as, as factors here for, for what they might or might not do. All right, Scott Lauber, follow him there on Twitter, at Scott Lauber from the Philadelphia Inquirer as the Phillies uh, continue summer camp, counting down to opening day, and we'll have plenty more on the Phillies as they get ready here uh, from Citizens Bank Park. Scott, we always appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Uh, sure, guys. Thanks for having me. And he, like August, appeared via the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. So Philly summer camp going nicely. A couple uh, of battles out there. That center field battle, it's hard to ignore Roman Quinn. Hard to ignore. It does seem like that speed is going to be just such a big factor for this squad. Yeah, especially um, where he said, you know, you bat him in that nine hole there. Well, do you think that this could be something where if Roman Quinn does play a lot more than Hastley, that that slows down what he was kind of building towards last year. If he's not going to be able to get on the field, he was a hell of a defender. He was kind of getting into a groove at times. Like, will this now stall Adam Hazley? Good. I mean, you got Bryce Harper for 12 years in right field, and you got Andrew McCutcheon playing left, so it's hard to find a spot where now McCutcheon's not here long term, so maybe Hazley has a chance somewhere down the road to re-emerge in the organization. This might be a year where he's just kind of the fourth outfielder guy. That's okay to be a fourth outfielder guy, but here's the difference, though, in a 60-game season, and we kind of asked this question before. How much time are these players going to have resting-wise? It would matter, or it wouldn't be as much of a factor in a 162, but... You know, I wrote down to ask him, is Arietta healthy, and I never did. That's because we had such a great conversation. Damn it. Show, the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. On 97.3 ESPN-FM. At 5.30, I think the part that Scott brought up, it's, I mean, I'm watching these videos today of the Phillies, and there's nobody there. And, I mean, it's different when you say there's nobody there, and there's, like, 9,000 people. There's nobody there. Gotta be odd, man. I mean... You hit the ball. I mean, he's like, I can hear Andrew McCutcheon. Now, I can understand. Like, you're in the press box. You're not on the field. You're on the press box, which is like the second deck. It's not like you're right there. It's not like a basketball game where, like, yeah, if there's a couple guys talking at the foul line and there was nobody in the building, you could probably hear them. To be able to hear what Andrew McCutcheon's saying in left field from the press box. I think also what he brought up about hearing the other dugout. Right? I mean, that's pretty big. If you can hear what Joe Girardi's saying, if you're on the other side, if you're in the other dugout, it's like, well, all right, hold on, they're going to do this. 
You might have to whisper a little bit. Yeah, he said it was eerie. It was weird, but it's something we're going to have to get used to uh, playing in this empty ballpark. And I mean, yeah, I mean, just the little nuances of that you mentioned the catcher kind of shifting or whatever. I mean, these guys are like, we're watching this uh, TBT. It's on in here. Now, like the players don't seem deterred at all by the fact that there's nobody there. You're not watching this and you're like, oh, man, they, you know. But just watching the broadcast, you can barely hear the play-by-play guys because he's got. You can hear the players so like clearly. I think that's what's going to have to change from this to the NBA. You can't have what we heard during the the actual broadcast in this game for an NBA game. You can't, right? I mean, why? I, I don't know why you would think it'd be much different. I mean, this is well, ESPN. It's not like it's on. Uh... You can't hear the announcer at all. All you hear is squeaky shoes and ball, ball, ball. You got him. You got him. I mean, we're talking an NBA Finals game, and I'm not going to be able to hear the call. I mean, there's nobody there. Well, can you pipe down whatever mics are set up? Or yeah, something? I mean, they're going to have to do a better job of that. But I mean. This is ESPN. It's not like they've never done a basketball game before. No, I agree with you, but it will be pretty cool, though. Imagine the NBA Finals, and you hear Kawhi Leonard actually say a word, but, you know, Kawhi Leonard, like, daying up LeBron, whatever. I mean, they won't be playing LeBron, but say it's the Western Conference Finals, and that happens. And you got LeBron and Kawhi, and they're daying each other up. Like, what's being said? Uh Uh-huh. That's going to be crazy. I am... Very intrigued at how all of these sports are going to present it. Now, it's one thing for soccer to do, like, uh, fake fans and noise. I thought it was great. So, English Premier League has the fake crowd noise. I think it's really good when there's a counter. fake crowd noise, like, uh... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, the whole game. But when there's a counter attack, it gets louder, and it's like, oh, if they miss it. Like, they actually implement it really good to the point where... that was your job? Right, to be on cue, you should get a raise. Yeah, you're the guy great. who's up and down the levels. But the MLS did not do it, and I honestly, it made me feel uncomfortable. So wait, Premier League's on NBC? NBC, yes. NBC Sports Network? Yep. And MLS is on ESPN? Correct. So ESPN, that might give you some insight that they're not thinking about doing that then. I don't know if it's sport by sport I know, scenario. I'm just saying, like, if they're not doing it for MLS, right? I don't know, maybe they just don't think it's... Sounds right. I don't know. I, I just thought it, it felt really uncomfortable. Like, you're hearing guys call for the ball. And it, it's just, it was really weird for me to not hear fans. I'd rather have them implement fake crowd noise in all of sports over not having it. I really would. Yeah, I mean, I... I'll watch I, either way, of course. I haven't seen either one, so I can't really, like... And golf doesn't really change much. No, definitely doesn't, except NASCAR for the mashed potato change. guy. Mashed potato guy, yeah, he's not there. I don't know, I mean... This TBT, we turned it on for not very long, but maybe they fixed it or got it right. But you could hear the players, like literally hear them kind of like, yo, yo. And then here's what, you remember the XFL, they have like the mics down on the field. Yes. The problem with that sometimes is the guys are cursing. So you hear it's like, yo, interesting you bring that up. Josh and I were talking about it because on the MLS game this morning for the Philadelphia Union, they were dropping the F-bombs or something, and they did exactly that. But the commentators must have not have known that they blocked it out. So the play-by-play guy and, and the um, and they're like, oh, well, you're going to get some of that sometimes. We apologize for that. And it's like, we didn't hear anything, dude. Like, we didn't hear anything. But they kept talking as if we continued to hear it, but we weren't hearing that's it. That's terrible. It's like, that's the beauty of soccer. That's terrible. <laughs> he hit us with, that's the beauty of soccer. That, it was great because it was Taylor Twelman that did that. Yeah, Taylor passionate Twelman, the, soccer guy. The, the very colorful color analyst. In fact, I don't think calling Taylor Twelman a color analyst 
is purely accurate because the way ESPN is handling the broadcast, he literally is just doing like an ongoing conversation with the play-by-play hosts, and they're making fun of each other half the broadcast. In fact, they're listen, not there though, are they? No, no they're, they're, in, they're Connecticut. in Bristol. But I, I see. I'm different from you. I love the broadcast. I love hearing the players talking. I love hearing the banter back and forth during the broadcast. I think it's entertaining. Maybe it's just soccer that rubbed me the wrong way. Maybe with basketball, I would think differently. I need some natural noise, though. I need natural noise. Yeah, I mean... Mm, and this... it, it shouldn't be that hard to implement that via broadcast, right? I could see maybe over Citizens Bank Park, it might be a little No, I would think you're going to get, like... Why wouldn't Citizens Bank Park... I mean, today they're doing an inter-squad game, so I can understand, but wouldn't you think they would do the walk-up music and, like, some tunes and stuff just to give it some atmosphere? Yeah, I would think so. And realistically, it shouldn't be hard to pump fake crowd noise in there. Just use your speakers and put it on there, Well, right? I don't know that you do it in the stadium. Well, I agree, but I don't... But did Scott Lauber mention maybe pumping up some sort of noise for the players during the, music, the game? Music, wasn't it, right? Oh, he was talking specifically music. I thought he meant maybe a little bit everything. Music, maybe some chatter. See, that's different from the broadcast. I would have to agree, though, the yeah. The broadcast nat sound noise is going to be different from what the, the stadium experience is going to be completely different from what they do in on the television feed like the tell like the the soccer players are hearing nothing i don't believe they're hearing what you're hearing no they're not the, they're not the at Premier all League guys aren't hearing that no no, no they're not they're, they're not they're not hearing anything it's no. just a stiff ass uh place but i wonder if for baseball to make it less awkward for these players can they do something that's minor so it doesn't feel so well, i would say like i'm wondering like on the can they just play walk-up music to kind of like give it like something you're sitting in this big old that's the thing with the baseball stadium now football is going to be a completely different thing if there's nobody in the football stadium you're playing in 60,000 60 70 80,000 seat places that are completely empty the baseball, like, that's why I asked him the question, and, like, I respect the fact that he's like, I'm not an expert on it, but the difference between a spring training building, like, they don't have second tiers, most of them. They might around home plate, but they don't have a second deck in the outfield, so it makes it look so dauntingly empty. Like, they're wide open. Like, anybody listening who went to a surf game, that's what the spring training facilities look like. They really only have a, a stadium facade from third base to first base. The rest of it is pretty much wide open. So you don't have this gargantuanly empty building that you're playing in. I mean, that's got to be wildly odd. It does have to be really weird, yeah. Now that I think about it, when the Winter Classic was here in Philly at Citizens Bank Park, we actually got an opportunity. I was playing club hockey then, which is equivalent to like, um, um, what is it that you hate for baseball? He hates AAU. A AAU baseball. You're not a big fan of the AAU baseball. Well, it's similar to AAU, but with hockey. And we had... Um, we played at Citizens Bank Park with literally nobody, and it was an empty arena, and we played on the ice, and it was really weird. Really weird. Really weird. Really weird. Yeah, right? Like you're an just... empty, big, empty and stadium, and not a soul. There, so there wasn't even, like, family? Oh, uh, there were family, but it was so far away from the stands, you could barely even notice that they were there. It's not like when you scored, you hear them, you hear them cheering, you know? It's just it's almost nothing. like nothing, really. Yeah, I mean... It was minus two that game, too. <laughs> I just keep looking at these videos. Like, go look at Bob Wankel's uh, 
uh, Twitter feed. He's got all the videos from today. And, I mean, you just see this emptiness out there of, wow, like, think about a World Series game looking like this. That's the crazy the, part about it. When it gets to that point. Thing, I'm not, okay, you go to a Marlins game, there's nobody there. I mean, still, there's 8,000 people on a Marlins game. It might look like no one, but there's still people there. You're in game four of the World Series, and the series is two games to one. And when you're watching on TV and you're seeing them every single pitch back there, and you're getting nothing. That's what's going to be weird. And same with the NBA Finals, right? I mean, we're talking NBA Finals, and it's going to look like the TBT game that we're watching right now. It's going to be weird. Maybe by the time it gets to that point, we're just accustomed to it. Well, I was going to ask you guys, you know, how many times have we all been to a Sixers game and we hear the music going on, <clears throat> the music going on during the game? Would you want to hear music going on during these NBA games in I Orlando? hate when they do that. Yeah, but you're anti. I, I mean, when they're walking up the court and they got music going, I can't stand that. But they might have to do that in this situation just to give it a little uh, atmosphere. Now, Todd and Brigantine says you can go to the NBC Sports app and watch the Premier League games without the sounds pumped in. It's strictly for the broadcast. Oh, I knew it was strictly for the broadcast, but I didn't know that they gave you an opportunity to go no fans if you wanted to. Is that what he's saying? I guess so. Wow. I like that option. Yeah, yeah giving you options now. Now, go to the other thing, I think the the Orlando NBA bubble is going to have to – would probably be better playing the music. I would agree. Like, I, the music never bothered me. I, I don't, don't know like why. It's just a little cheesy. I definitely see where you're coming from, but it never really ate at me. But a lot of people do feel that way. Well, they like, gave oh, I me like, that. Yeah, if they gave me like stadium music as opposed to like a real song, like sometimes I'm getting like a, a guy's mix track. Yeah, you don't like that with the sick beat going with some bass and they're just dribbling up the court? No. That doesn't give you a little juice. I no. just picture myself at LA Fitness with music in my ears and I'm like getting some jump shots. Connor, up. Mike didn't grow up with N1 mixtapes. Well, that's a problem. No, we had now. <laughs> now well, that's, that's what, what I, I call, call music. music. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, jock jams. Jock jams, yeah. I don't even know what that one is. Yeah, the jock jams. Oh, I was like uh, Every, all like, the songs that song they ever. play before like a game. Like, -na 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 -na. hey, like that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But like, that's classic. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that they're going to have to incorporate that live in the building. Like, Here's the problem. Like, they're not doing any of that here, it sounds like, with this tournament. You're just hearing the guys, you know, yo, I'm open. But is it so <laughs> quiet? Throw that, it to me. <laughs> if they do play it, maybe because it's so quiet in the space that they're in, would there be like a brutal echo or something of that well, nature? That could be an issue that I don't think so. I think these sound systems are probably, like in these arenas, are probably equipped to, uh, to be able to play, be able to do it. it it's just like... The baseball thing with that state. When I keep looking at these videos, I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. Like, uh, I don't know, man. Well, you mentioned the football, too, and that's you talked about be the cursing. Really odd. I think you're going to hear a lot of bleeped out stuff with that. I mean, baseball, yeah, you can hear some guys talking trash or whatever, but with football, after every single play, a little scrum. Well, just think I about, mean, like, when, when you're at a football game, and they're, like, think about it, there's nobody there. Okay, now the, the, the camera's on. You got the mics on. Down. You're going to hear the quarterback barking out. You're going to hear the, hurrah, are the guys fighting up on the offensive line. You're going to hear, like, I mean, it's going to be so weird. I think they'll implement by the way, noise for that. This uh, college uh, sports thing, just to kind of go ahead, to, to that real fast, we're talking about, like, um, the Big Ten today announced they're only going to play a conference schedule, right? Ivy League said nothing. 
The ACC has now said they're going to not start. They're going to push their start back at least a week. So you're starting to see other colleges, other conferences slowly make their changes. And I think that's only going to be the beginning. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I've been saying it. I don't think we get college sports. Sadly, I do not think we get college sports. And now you got to think of the snowball effect, right? If you're a senior, what does that really mean? Do you go back? Like, I always question these seniors who are set to graduate and you still have one year left. Do you now go back to college for another year? Well, they didn't give the basketball players that opportunity, but they gave it to the, the spring sports last year. Right. Yes, because college basketball finished their regular season. Yes. But now for football, you're a senior. You're graduating this year. Do you go back to school? Do you still get that year of scholarship to play? Now you got, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's oh, very a lot interesting. Of, uh, yeah, no doubt. There. No doubt. Oof, it's going to be a mess. I, I still would be surprised if we see college football week zero in August. I just, I can't see it happening. Cause well, you're not going to get an logistics. ACC team and you're not going to get a Big Ten team. That's for sure. I know that Notre Dame and Navy keep claiming they're going to make it happen, but I just, I'm telling you guys, I have trouble seeing it because logistically they're not in the position that the pro sports are to be able to bend. Well, that game's not till September 5th. That's not the first game. Well, it got moved. It used to be week zero, it was supposed to be. Because there's games in August. August. There's like an August 31st game that I think is the kickoff to. The entire schedule. Well, that's so, interesting yeah. because the first NFL game is when September. Well, college usually starts a couple week or weeks two before. Right, the NFL. right. Yeah, I get that. But I'm saying, like, if they can have a game, you just said September 5th, right? That would be the first game that's on the that's schedule right now. The first game college football is scheduled for August 29th. Okay. Yeah. That's when the Notre Dame Navy game was scheduled. Correct. It is postponed to the fifth. Now, all of these games, it's Hawaii, Arizona. New Mexico State, UCLA, Cal, UNLV, Marshall, East Carolina, Idaho State, New Mexico, UC Davis, Nevada, Notre Dame, Navy. So that was August 29th. And then Wednesday night, September 2nd, there's a slate. And then Thursday, September 3rd, there's a lot of games on that day. I mean, there's got to be 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 games. And one of them is Clemson, Georgia Tech. So... You know, Clemson's playing on that Thursday night, September the 3rd. Then Friday the 4th has games. And then Saturday the 5th is your first real huge Official slate week of games. Right. Yeah. Well, I just bring that up because the first game for the NFL is September 10th. So yes, if, you're getting the, if you're getting the uh, college football supposed to play on the 5th, like what's going to be the difference in being able to get college football compared to the NFL it's, going it's, with just well, five it, days? The college football problem is different from the NFL. Yeah, That's their different. job, yada, yada. They got to be able to get to campus. Are they taking classes? Are there kids in school? All of that comes in. Right. Play. Oh, no doubt. I'm just saying in terms of where the coronavirus is at at that specific time, right? Like the coronavirus Let me ask you a within question. five days. Let me ask you a question. Do you think it's going to be better than it is right now? Like, are we going to be in a better spot September 5th? I really hope so. You would hope so. I would hope so. Are you confident? Why are you putting me on the spot like this? <laughs> No, I'm not confident. Of course you're not. I'm not mean, confident. No, I don't think anybody's confident that in uh, September that things are going to be much different. In fact, it might be significantly worse by then. Significantly worse. I mean, there are some projections that suggest that November, December, and January will be the worst three months of this that we will have. 
I don't even know how to process all the information on projections anymore, though, just because I've heard so much information at this point, and some happen, some don't happen, and it's like, oh, I'm just living. Yep, I hear that. I'm just living. Uh, by the way, over on our website, 973ESPN.com, uh, Tom Williams has a piece up right now about an idea for high school sports, about what they should do to try to save the 2020 fall season go check that out now on our website 973espn.com the flyers are in the nhl playoffs and when the nhl returns to the ice you can listen to all the flyers playoff hockey action on 97.3 ESPN with Tim Saunders and Steve Coates. Listen to all the exciting Flyers playoff play-by-play action. Crazy back in front. Pasternak was stopped by Carter Hart. Right here as Carter Hart, Sean Couturier, and the Flyers take on the NHL's best. Looking to bring home the Stanley Cup. Flyers have run their winning streak to seven in a row. It's Philadelphia Flyers playoff hockey. The Flyers score! Kevin Hayes had to go off his gate in front and Hayes. Ready for competition. It's time for five questions. Three ain't enough, man. I need five. Number five will always love you. I can dig it, baby. Here we go. Give me the five. What do you got? All right. We're going to ask you five questions about your favorite thing. So your favorite restaurant. Do you have a favorite restaurant that you and the girl always go to? Or like it's like, oh, yes. Like that's the place that you guys like kind of have a thing for? That's a fair question. No, we don't really have that spot where like this is our spot that we like to go to eat. But I will say like in the summertime. All right. I'll go this route. In the summertime, there's a lot of outdoor spots that we like to go. But if we're going to go indoors to, like, hang out on a summertime where we're typically out at a place that's outdoors, I do like going in, which you can't do right now. But Villain and Saints up at the uh, Ocean Casino. That's kind of like we went there for New Year's one year, went there for my birthday a couple years ago, or I guess it was last year, this past year. Uh, we did my birthday there, but that's a good indoor spot. Now we haven't really. The funny part, we never really sat down and had dinner there. Now we've eaten off their menu, but never sat down and had dinner there. Okay, well, but there's a lot I'll of take that. there's a lot of uh, yeah. I don't have like that number one spot. Yeah, you seem to be a variety person. You yeah, like I to try a lot a of spots. Yeah, I like that though. I like that. You know, last week we were on the beach last Friday, and we were going to go to a spot that we like. And when we got there at nine thirty, they were closing. Ooh. That's tough. Yeah, we're just going to try to get a little something to eat. Just, hey, you got a quick little something. Nah, kitchen's closed. Ah, it's the worst. Your favorite candy? I'd uh, probably go Reese's Peanut Butter Cup with a close fight from the Butterfinger. Okay, so you like the chocolate concept. Oh, ch- I'm- See, I'm such a... Sh- I love that, too, by the way. I love both of those, but I love Sour Patch Kids. You give me a bag of Sour Patch Kids, and I'm like a little child. I like them, but not number one. I mean, it's not even in my top ten. Oh, Okay. Your favorite fruit? Um, oh, that's a good one. Uh, I'm a big fruit fan. Me too. Nothing better, though. Look how excited I know, because I have one that I really love. Nothing I like better them all, but... than that extreme 
extremely juicy ripe peach. I like a good peach. I love a good peach. And I'll I'll have the pit in my mouth for a while. Oh afterwards. yeah. Yep. And I'm getting every little piece of peach <laughs> off that pit. I love them all. I really do. But there's one that I'm recently really into, and it's new to me. I love raspberries. Now nah, I'm out on the raspberries. You're out on the raspberries. Yeah, but you know what's an underrated fruit that a lot of people don't get into? A blackberry? A pear. A pear? Yep. Love a pear. Love a pear. Love a pear. Now, blackberries out. Pears in. Okay. Good with the apple, all the yeah, versions like of it. And love a banana. banana an orange. See, I like an orange, but I'd rather go clementine because they're easier. They're smaller. No, I you like don't get an the orange. seeds. My girlfriend's got to be the only person who's not into the orange or the tangerine. And the, I said, what's wrong with you? No yeah, orange? Right. What is wrong with her? Yeah. It's a great question. Uh, your favorite color? I mean, nothing stands out I like out a navy to you? blue. You like a navy blue? Yeah. Okay. Not, nothing, well, if you look at my wardrobe, everything's black or navy blue. Navy blue with pinstripes. I'm out on that. Okay. Just yeah. asking. Your favorite rapper? Um, I don't know. I mean... I, I was a big Public Enemy guy when I was growing up. You know, that's more of a group than a rapper Chuck yeah, D. Yeah, but that's that's part of it, though. Yeah. I'd put that in the category. Okay, well, there's uh, there's your five. I'm trying to go through my brain real fast. Did I miss somebody? That's kind of your era. I mean, yeah, that's what, that was like that man it was like the late '80s, early '90s. Right. All right. Uh, tomorrow we're one day closer to the NBA bubble and the start. By the way. Got the schedule right here. Sixers open up, as you know, on Saturday, August 1st against the Pacers. 